Hello, welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, the roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? We have got a special guest on a special episode. We certainly do. We certainly do. We have the brand new SBC president. Yes, Bart Barber. Is hey, here. guys. Hey. And he's not on a tractor, which I That's counted right. on. I'm not. I'm not. I uh, haven't been out there at all yet today, but the day is still young. Yes, it is. Well, I, I'm grateful for you, Jonathan, because I cannot even imagine the audio work you would have to do if he was on a tractor. We just, you this. know, have a have a little bit of a, a background. There you, you know, go. Soundtrack. That's all. It's kind of like you know. my dogs. Yes. So. Yes. They'll they'll chime in here soon enough. I'm sure. I expect so. it. All right. Well, hey, Bart. Well, thanks for joining us, President Barber. Hey, it is great to be here. In fact, I think this just caps off a very bad day that I've had today. Oh, how so? Ta- really? Uh, yeah. The um, the uh, you know the day started praying at the end of the worship rally of Vacation Bible School. Okay. And then um, immediately after that, I, I called a, a Southern Baptist pastor whose grandmother-in-law had passed away. Uh, to encourage them. And then after that, I went to share the gospel with the fifth and sixth graders at VBS. And then after that, I went to make a hospital visit because the deacon's wife at VBS uh, got sick and wound up going to the ER. And so I went to visit her. And uh, then after that, uh, I went to Chick-fil-A. And so, you know, in between all of that, this is just a, this is, this is, Life in a Baptist Church. And now I'm here on SBC This Week, just the premier podcast of the entire convention. You, you wow. tell that's all the podcast, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I never say anything like that to Hensley. <laughs> well, I, that doesn't count. So, yeah. Anyway. Well, Bart, well, it, it is a pleasure to have you. You're returning guest because we've had you on before. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So now, but not, but not as SBC president, not as SBC I mean, all president. sorts of new things to talk about. Yes. So, uh, sounds like fun to me. Yeah. So you, you mentioned Chick-fil-A are, are we going to have a resolution next year that the peach milkshake is the official drink of Baptists? Listen, the peach milkshake is God's gift to Southern Baptists that for two years now they've released it right on the eve of the annual meeting. And I have needed it so much by the time we got to there. Can I ask a question though? How do you, cause I'm a huge fan of the peppermint yes. shake in the, in, in the holiday season. Can you, can you compare them against one another? Oh, the peppermint shake way eclipses the peach milk shake. Okay. I think, we agree on quality. that. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, there's, there's a need for the peach milkshake when it comes though, because yeah. you right. build out the peppermint right. shake for months. Right. And, and so it's summer. It's, it's summer. It's yeah. the time yeah. for a peach it's, shake. Just, that's somewhere yeah. in Ecclesiastes 3. There's a time for peach. There's a time for peppermint. <laughs> that's, that's, right. that's right. There you go. That's right. Somewhere. But hands down, I'd prefer to have the peppermint shake. It's it's a, a thing of beauty. Yes, it is. We'll make that one the official milkshake for Southern Baptists next year. Can we just change the annual meeting to December? <laughs> no. We cannot because <laughs> you're a pastor and you know how busy Decembers are for that's, pastors. That's true. That's so, true. Well, Bart, again, we, we do want to congratulate you on your recent uh, election as Southern Baptist president. What has this first couple of weeks been like? I mean, it's it's just been a couple of weeks. I mean, we 
we literally were just in Anaheim and uh, you and I were hanging out and now, you know, here we are. I tell you, I've spent two weeks mostly just corresponding with people and it's been amazing. Uh, I already loved Southern Baptist, but I've had, I've had two weeks of returning Facebook messages and Twitter messages and text messages and voicemail messages and uh, emails and uh, three or four Southern Baptists still put stamps on things and send them through the mail. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, in the midst of all of that, you just discover anew how many really good, prayerful, encouraging Southern Baptists there are in this convention. It's just a great blessing. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So I bet this has been a really surreal experience for you. I mean, you didn't, you didn't know until a couple of months before this wasn't something you planned for months and months to do. Oh, told people for a long time that I would never do this. And, uh, it is, it's, it's bewildering in a lot of ways. And, And honestly, I want to hold on to that in some ways too. You know, just the the sense of awe that that I could serve Southern Baptist in this way. I'm in a lot of ways, I think, a, a surprising person to be in this role. I'm I'm not from a really large church. That's one thing a lot of people have talked about. I'm not like a regular speaker on a conference speaking circuit or anything like that. I've heard people talk about that, but also you guys are kind of SBC history wonky. And uh, I, I remember someone telling me, uh, which no big deal to me, uh, somebody told me back when I was elected first vice president, they said, this is the kiss of death. Uh, if you're elected first vice president of the convention, you're never elected to anything else. And I thought, well, I don't think I'm going to be elected to anything else anyway. So no big deal. Uh, but when was the last time a first vice president wound up then being elected to serve as president? I know that was customary 110 years ago oh, but we we had one last year ed yeah litton. ed litton ed litton was a first vice president for ed was first vice president he was first he was. vice president for james merritt and james merritt he was elected in, i had um, completely forgotten that 2001 served in 2002 yeah but up until that i don't think i'm now and i do think i think fred luter had been a first vice president Yes, he was, really? he was actually elected first vice president in Phoenix the year before we went to New Orleans in 2012, That's and right. he was elected president elected because president. I was standing, like I think, next to Danny Aiken whenever he sent the tweet, because I think he was the first one that sent a tweet out saying, hey, next year we need to elect Fred Luter as president of the SBC. It's time. And yeah. I was standing next to him when he did that. But I don't know. Why about- have I not paid attention to this? I haven't paid attention You to call this, yourself a history so. nerd. I know. That's, I'm, I'm already, I've disappointed you. We're we're 30 seconds into this podcast, and I've already disappointed you. So now you're at least the third in recent history. I don't know about I don't know about the others. We know uh, yeah, JD Greer the, had. I'm looking at the table not. right now. Okay, you're looking at yeah. JD Greer was the first person to lose to Wiley Drake and be elected Southern Baptist president. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, so that I'm well aware of. As he is too. He, is <laughs> he, he lost the first vice presidency and the presidency before winning the presidency. That's right. Our second vice. It was sort second. Of. It was second. Yeah. Vice oh, second yeah vice it was president. second. In 2006. That's right. That's right. And that's then right. So, sort of. Yes, you're right. Sort of lost. Stepped right, in, withdrew. Sort of. Kind of. It's yeah. all, you know. Yeah. 
right. I, yeah. I can't do this forever, but I'm looking at the table right now. I don't see anybody going back to like 1960. Um, yeah. It, it would take a lot of cross-referencing the rest of the stuff. Right. But so, uh, so yeah. you're, it's been a while. You're one of a small group yeah. of special individuals who yeah. have been first vice president and then went on to become SBC president. Yeah, See, I suppose that's true. Yeah. Now in just a few years, you can go back and run for second and get the, the whole sweep. Well, I might do that, but I tell you, I'm not running against Don Currents for that office because he gets the best nominators. Oh. And, uh, well, I, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to brag, but that was pretty fun. It's really, I have to tell you, it's really fun to give a nomination speech when there's no one else running because. <laughs> oh, I've done it. It is. The, the pressure. I mean, there's just no pressure at all. You don't feel right. like you got to, you know, deliver anything. You just get to bring the fun. Yeah. You get nominated John I, Yates one year, didn't you? I did. I That's did. right. That's exactly right. I remember that. So, so, right. so I've done that. You mentioned it's surreal. What's been maybe the most surprising thing that you've had to deal with in the last few weeks? Oh, it started right off the bat. Uh, uh, as far as surprising things, uh, with a phone call from you, actually, uh, and uh, and you said, "Hey, who's your who's the worship leader oh. going to be next year?" <laughs> yeah. And and I said, uh, you know, because I had thought James Cheeseman, who's on our staff, but I had not talked to him about it because I didn't know if I was going to win or lose, and I didn't want to get his hopes up about something that might or might not happen. And so I hadn't said a word to him about it. And you called and I said, well, I, you know, I think it's going to be James Cheeseman. When do you need to know? And you said now. And, uh, and I said, well, why now? And you said, well, we vote on this tomorrow, Bart, the committee on order business needs to know. And I said, we vote on this. And you said, how do you not know this? And I was too ashamed to say that the answer to that was we always vote on this at the end and I always leave. Uh, before oh. we actually <laughs> wow wow that hurts man that hurts. confessing it here and i and you will never again do that you ain't leaving early next year right. i tell you that yeah you're yeah, not that's right not in that's new orleans true. you'll be there till I mean, the last minute i will i will and i and i even even the year that i was elected first vice president i don't think i was in there for that i I like went out and got a bite to eat or something. Was talking to people and then rushed in for the presentation of the new officers uh, at the very end. Fantastic! So, uh, now, now you know we vote on the convention preacher. Pre- <laughs> we we vote on the convention preacher and the music director yeah, and the alternate preacher. That's right. Yeah. And so I, I knew there you we go. voted on the preacher and the alternate preacher. I just never really. Uh, I mean, I, I knew that because I just right. It's in the minutes, and and yes. uh, and I knew that about us. I just never really paid attention and put two and two together that I would need to come up with that so quickly. So, you know, I, I've I talked a lot uh, while we were leading up to Anaheim uh, about kind of the idea that there are the required constitutional duties of the president, and um, that then you know there are things that are just sort of customary. Uh, and so I've discovered, starting with that call, that there are more actual responsibilities. I knew what all the big ones were, but there are more actual responsibilities than I had actually taken into account. Uh, and so that was 
that was one of those surprises yeah. uh, right off the bat that I needed to come up with that. And and one of those responsibilities you've been tasked with this year, and it's an outflow of what we've been dealing with over the last two to three years in the Southern Baptist Convention, is the appointment of a task force for abuse reform implementation. And, you know, that last year, Dr. Litton had the sex abuse task force that he appointed. Now, after we've approved these recommendations, one of the recommendations was that you, the new SPC president, would appoint a an implementation task force. So, you know, what's your work been like on that? Obviously, you haven't done that yet, and that's coming in probably the next few weeks. But, you know, now you've, you're having to get up to speed on that. That's that's kind of one of those first things right out the gate that you're, you've been tasked with. That is... That's uh, hours of work every day for me right now, uh, working on that. That's, uh, that's my first priority in terms of time. It's the, it's the first thing that, that really arrives at me to need to be done immediately. And, um, and it's also uh, just a very high priority uh, based upon, uh, I think, where the, where the attention and expectations of the messenger body were in Anaheim. Uh, this was obviously a, a very widely discussed measure that the messengers voted on. They voted on it overwhelmingly. You know, I, I feel very much the, the burden and mandate and responsibility to accomplish this task and accomplish it well and accomplish it in a timely manner. People are waiting on the ministry check website and yep. the, and the, and the database, that sort of thing. They're, they're waiting on that to, to be fully ready and implemented. So I'm working on this constantly. Uh, I do hope to have appointments to make, uh, to, to present to the convention by mid July, but the approach that I've been taking, uh, first of all, I had a, had a debrief with the sexual abuse task force, uh, a couple of days ago and we spent more than an hour speaking with one another along, along these lines. What are the skill sets that we'll need uh, in order for this group to be effective? And before discussing any names, I've tried to do that. Identify those skill sets and, and choose the names that get, uh, because it's, it's enormous if you think about it. Uh, you need people who understand trauma, and who understand sexual abuse, understand what it is to be a survivor, have relationships with the survivor community related to the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, you also need people who understand polity and understand the structure of the Southern Baptist Convention, who have relationships with leaders in the Southern Baptist Convention to be able to provide proposals for going forward, receive feedback about those, and determine uh, what's most likely to be successful within a Southern Baptist context. You need people who understand the law, who are able to come and provide uh, that context, a legal context. You need, above all, a sense of, of the rightness of this task and the importance of this task uh, for everyone. Everyone on this implementation task force needs to be committed to, this, to the solution of this problem. And then also, you know, right off the bat, they're, go they're going to need to have at least some rudimentary knowledge, enough to be able to speak with vendors and such about uh, IT uh, constraints and yeah. about how to, to put together, uh, you know, a product that can be guaranteed to achieve what's needed in terms of security and reliability and 
and, and to meet the needs of people who are trying to interface with these products. And I could go on from there. Somebody on the task force is going to need to be, uh, this, is a, this is a different skill than the other skills. Yeah. Going to need to have the ability to go to a microphone at uh, an annual meeting and communicate well with the messenger body. And so I've just been trying to uh, compile and analyze all of those skill sets uh, in order to have the data that I need, because I could, if I just decided to wing it, if I just said, here are some people I like, here are some people who are committed to this cause, and just pull people together on, on a basis like that, I could wind up with a great, well-intentioned team who did not know how to do what they needed to do. And uh, so I'm I'm devoting a lot of time to that right now. It's a very high priority for me. It sounds like you're taking a very serious approach to that. And uh, I, I really appreciate that because this obviously it, this is not, this is not something to be taken lightly. So I think that's good. And it's a good update for our listeners for Southern Baptist to know that you're thinking about this, but you're thinking about it deeply, you know, and you're, you're considering yeah. all the ramifications. I don't so think anybody really was expecting you to just go out there and just wing it and throw a few people that you know on there, but it's not, like you said, it's not just as simple as, well, I know these people know about sexual abuse and handle it well. It's this task force has a different skill set that's needed than the previous one. Right. Uh, certainly. Uh, yeah. Although there's, I think they need all of the skill sets that were on the previous one. Yeah. Plus some others. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That sounds, Cause, that cause sounds the, right. The, the ask is different. It is. It, it, it is. And. I want to say um, this is probably the best place to say it. Um, Southern Baptists probably don't appreciate the debt of gratitude they owe to the people who served on the sexual abuse task force. Absolutely. In the past year. Amen. Uh, I mean, I think we've all been able to track uh, something about the workload and we've all been able to see in a public way, some of the major decisions that they had to help Southern Baptists make, some of which were difficult to make, uh, that that involved uh, you know a, a, some hand wringing and some and some challenges uh, for all of us to get there, where we would make those decisions and move forward. Uh, we've all seen that. Um, what we what we probably will never appreciate is the degree to which being that close to that much trauma over the span of an entire year is traumatic in and of itself for anyone who's involved in something like that. I I promise you it's true that these are people who have given of themselves sacrificially uh, in ways, not just in terms of time and work, but just in terms of their hearts and their emotions, uh, they've, they've given sacrificially over the space of a year. They, they deserve uh, more than we can give them. They deserve two months in Hawaii and, uh, and, and, and just, you know, the love and adulation of every Southern Baptist. Uh, but, you know, probably the best that we can do is to, is to commit to pray for them and to look for an opportunity at, Everybody who has sent me a note saying, hey, congratulations, 
if you'd take a minute to send a note to somebody on that task force and say, you've served us well, thank you so much. Uh, I, I think that would be a, a wise investment of your time. That's great. Very well said. Absolutely. And there was a post this week at Baptist Press. There was a story, uh, Marshall Blaylock reflecting on his time on the sexual abuse task force. And like you said, Bart, he said in the article, and I quote, I, along with other pastors on the task force, didn't realize the depth of the trauma that's involved with someone who was abused. It's much more traumatic and life altering than I ever understood or knew. And he also spoke, I mean, that kind of goes back with you to just the weight that they were dealing with with this. But I think one of the big takeaways from this also was when he said, we're hoping for a cultural change where churches have no toleration for sexual abuse and are all taking the steps to make sure we prevent it in our churches. We believe the local church is ultimately where this has to happen. And, you know, that, that's kind of him reflecting on the last year's work there. And I, I couldn't agree more with what he's saying there. I, I agree. And I would, I would say even, even beyond that, my vision is for us to swing the pendulum so much further, to move away from any ways that we've been negligent or that we've lacked the zeal that we, that we should have to prevent abuse, to swing not only to the point that we say we're diligent and we're, and we're trying to make sure abuse doesn't happen here, but to go all the way over even to say we're going to become a place of excellence in ministering to people who've been abused, uh, to people who are survivors, uh, because that's a, that's a ministry opportunity for churches beyond just this one problem that we're looking at, because uh, our churches, uh, well, I, I went straight out of that debrief with the Sexual Abuse Task Force to, uh, so that as president of the SBC, I took that hat off, and 15 minutes later, I had my local church pastor hat on, meeting with a family, trying to help their adult daughter through processing the trauma of her non-clergy uh, sexual abuse experience from years and years and years and years ago. And our congregations are full of people who are trying to work their way through this. And although we can't, most of our churches don't have the expertise to provide sort of the licensed counseling piece of that, uh, the, the spiritual piece of that is something that I want First Baptist Farmersville to become excellent at, um, at, at delivering because there's a profound need. And, and always on my heart, since the beginning of all this has been not just um, to me, this is not just, we have a problem or we've made a mistake and we need to dig out of this. To me, this has always been uh, there's tremendous hurt and need all around us in every one of our congregations. And to the degree that uh, we haven't taken clergy sex abuse very seriously and worked or volunteer sex abuse, and work to prevent it and to respond well to it, to the degree that we have any egg on our face from anything like that, survivors of other sexual abuse are not gonna feel safe and comfortable coming to us for help 
uh, with what they've suffered. And beyond our mistakes and our problem, there's a there's a vast ministry need and ministry opportunity here that I hope we'll be able to address. I think you're absolutely right, Bart, and just really appreciate those words uh, because I think we do have a lot of people out there that we need to start learning what it means to be trauma informed and to care. Uh, through these situations. So, all right, let me, let me turn, turn the conversation a little bit um, because you had kind of a big, there was a big week right after Anaheim um, typically. And I think you've talked about this before the, the SBC president isn't required to always be speaking to media and representing, but often is uh, asked lots of questions and a really big story came the week after we left Anaheim that I think um, a lot of folks were looking to many denominations, evangelical denominations, the Catholic church things to, to see reaction. I know in my church, we had a reporter uh, that was, was visiting on Sunday, um, but there was a big Supreme court case. And, uh, and that, that right after, I guess a week and a half after we left Anaheim, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, which is something that we've been talking about as Southern Baptists for a lot of years. So what was the experience like sort of taking that in and in your new role? Um, obviously, you wanted to speak to your church about it. You wanted to kind of lead them in it. But then what was it like to be the SBC president in that moment? Well, uh, you know, Amy, I'm, I'm someone who... Um, has frequently commented on this kind of thing in the past as just a pastor with a Twitter account. Right. Uh, I think the first thing I would say is I had a lot more help uh, <laughs> than, uh, than necessarily I've had in the past. It's always been just giving my opinion kind of off the cuff, but uh, Southern Baptists have great people who work in terms of media relations. And um, I'm, I'm not just saying that because Jonathan's, uh, at the microphone to rebut me if I said something different. I'm, uh, I- I've been profoundly grateful to be able to partner with them. And so, Hey, um, I'll give, uh, I'll give a shout out because I gave you one piece of unsolicited advice right after you were elected president. And I said, make John Wilkie your friend. Um, yeah. Cause and he I've is done so that. incredible. I've done that. And, uh, so, you know, I very much, um, I, every time I go to a keyboard now, even though I'm determined not to become somebody completely different now, uh, every time I go to a keyboard, I, I weigh the gravity of the fact that I have to be, you know, very careful to make sure that what I say, you know, is something that represents Southern Baptist well. In this case, it wasn't that hard because right. I, the joy that I felt over that moment was shared by Southern Baptists. The determination and resolve I felt at that moment was shared by Southern Baptists. It was easy, I think. Yeah. And you had resolutions. I mean, obviously you were just the chair of the resolutions committee. You were on the resolutions committee last year, but you had years and years and years of resolutions by Southern Baptists that really gave you, you you didn't have to think, what do they feel about this? Bart, do you think chairing the resolutions committee this year helped you and helped inform you on this and be a lot more prepared than had you not? Now, Jonathan, everybody knows that resolutions serve no real purpose uh, in Southern <laughs> Baptist life. And, no, that was that was extremely important 
And uh, it, it helped me in so many ways because not only the resolutions that we've adopted, but also because we did, had no idea when Dobbs was going to drop. And so our resolutions committee had, uh, had talked about potential language changes based upon whether the opinion came down in one way or another. So I had already worked through with members of a committee these very questions. What would we want to say if the ruling came and it said this? Right. Because we knew there were a couple of, there were going to be some opinion releases while we were yeah. in Anaheim and your committee was working on language in anticipation of it. But there was the question of what if, what if they release the, the ruling while we're here and what does that look right. like for the, the floor? So yeah. So you got to kind of think through that. So I would say that the resolutions process had everything to do with being ready to issue that statement on the 24th. Um, I, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. And, and it was because I was chair of the committee on resolutions that I had read every resolution, not just starting with 1980, starting with 1971 uh, with the, with the resolutions that we adopted, that we came back to disavow later on. I had read the text of every resolution related to abortion, even some of the ones that were just tangentially related to abortion. Uh, I, I had read every one of those resolutions in the days leading up to that event. So it was, it was formative. Prepared you. Very nice. Um, well, all right. So let's talk about a couple of other responsibilities of SBC president. One is we talked about you naming people to the task force, uh, but you're going to have other appointments as well. And that's a, that, that's a big project. So how do you, how do you intend to approach that to take that on? Uh, largely based upon how much money people send me either to be (laughs) on or off. Uh, I make okay. You make it more people. to be off than to be on. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I may collect more money from people who do not wish to serve. Okay. He's joking, well, people. He's all joking. Right. Disclaimer, Just, that was a joke. We'll all like... Was, put I, think, I think. <laughs> yeah, 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 that was a joke. Um, <laughs> the, the advice I've gotten from former presidents and from people who are associated with former presidents uh, has confirmed what I knew to begin with, uh, and that is that anybody who thinks they don't need help with this process is foolish. Um, so I had, I had actually started uh, when I, when I let my name be put in denomination, structuring a database to be able to start putting names of people uh, mm-hmm. into, into that database uh, because it's a, uh, you know, in some ways it's like one of these daily wordle names in that, you have some freedom to suggest, uh, you know, to look and say, I like this letter. I'm going to put it in. But there are rules, just like right. any other game. Those rules require you to do certain geographical representative yep. representation with some of the appointments, but not necessarily all of them. Um, there are requirements in some cases for you to, to supplement already existing uh, groups. And there are things that aren't really hard and fast requirements, but are really points of wisdom uh, as far as trying to decide how to, how to fill all this up. And then they're just things that you, things that you want to do. Our church has uh, a few committees that we use in the structure of our church. And, and I'm always going into those meetings for uh, just 
full confession here so everybody can make fun of me. We have also a committee on committees at our church. There you uh, go. It's You're one, of, one of people's. Why not? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And I'm always the one. I go in there every year to them with a with a printed list of the church's membership uh, with information about attendance and, and, and things like that. And I put that in front of them and I say, I know you all have your friends. I, I know that it's easy for you. The easiest thing for you to do is pick the people you know the best. But actually, we have people you've never heard of. Well, not you've never heard of. Our church is not that big. We have people you've never thought of, that you've never been to dinner with, who are faithful members of this church, who are waiting for somebody to ask them to do something, and who are able to contribute and some of the things, some of the things you're going to ask people to do are big things that require a lot of trust and a lot of skills. But some of the things you're going to ask people to do are great places to involve somebody. And, uh, you know, from what I can tell, looking in from the outside and all, also from vast experience of two weeks as president of the SBC, the same thing is true here. Some of these appointments are things that are very weighty and have a lot of demands in terms of skills needed. And some of them are great places to give somebody that first point of involvement with the national SBC or with the annual meeting that can lead to something else. And so I've seen people, I've seen other presidents look at this and say, I want to, I want to bring in the people that we already know have skills to carry some of these jobs, but I want to bring in some new people and a, a taste of the SBC to some folks who've never had that before. Maybe have been very active at their state convention level or with their local association, maybe have achieved a lot of things in other areas of their life and would have a chance to give back to their family and churches. So my impression at this point is that as soon as I get the ARITF appointed, if I start right then and work very hard on these appointments, I'll still probably be at the end of the spring uh, <laughs> working to try to finish that. Coming in right under the deadline. That sounds, that sounds about right. Yeah. And th- uh, yeah. That and that's where you know you mentioned this at the beginning that a lot of people don't realize the bylaws have such specific things like people have to have been within a particular region for at least three years. They um, there are rules about if you serve on another committee or a board, you can't serve. If your spouse serves mm-hmm. on another committee or a You're board, you can't by serve. A group. Right. So there, there's all kinds of kind of boxes that have to get checked or unchecked right. in order. Right. So you might have ideas for people and then realize, oh, they're not eligible, you know, for these various reasons. And you're doing it from like regions all across the, the country. So it, it is kind of like a, uh, it's like a, I, I've, I think it's like a game of Tetris almost. Mm-hmm. It's very, yeah. Yep. Just make it. Tetris. Tetris. That's right. It, so it, it really is. I mean, if it were all just appointing people from Texas, I could I could do that all day long uh, because you have areas that you know better. If it were just about appointing people from Arkansas, I've got enough cousins uh, to <laughs> populate. I mean, that's the whole, the the whole state of, of Arkansas, isn't it? I mean, pretty, pretty much. Yeah, oh, I got nothing well, to do with that, Jonathan. <laughs> well, I, I just, I, 
I do, I do tell people, people may know that both of our children are adopted. And Jim, my oldest, was born in Harrison, Arkansas. I tell people I adopted a boy from Arkansas, so at least we know we're related biologically. <laughs> uh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. All right. I got one more question. And then yeah. Jonathan can take. All right. So the other thing that you will have to get prepared to do is to moderate the meeting. Lots to think about um, in that, in preparing for, for that moment. I saw a great tweet this morning. We're recording this on June 29th. And Bob Smetana, religion reporter, works for RNS. He tweeted that he uh, had a dream the other night that you installed Sunday school teachers, mostly little old ladies, at the mics to remind people to mind their manners. I am um, so in on this. I think by this the is way. a fantastic idea. Brilliant. Um, but I would love to know what you think about such an idea and it, and what thoughts you have for, uh, how to help Southern Baptists have an orderly meeting. It's a hard job for all of the talk people give about, you know, the, uh, about the media and, and their distrust of the media. Bob Smetana has saved the Southern Baptist convention. This is the greatest idea <laughs> that anybody <laughs> has ever put forward. In it's fact, I, you know, I think a bylaw change is in yes. order uh, in order to require this uh, because I know that we've all had Sunday school teachers that we're, that we're still, that we still respect and love and are maybe a little bit afraid of uh, to this day oh. uh, in our lives. Yes. I got one in my mind right now. And if Miss Kay told me that I needed to, to, change my tone or whatever, I would snap into line right now. Oh, yeah, completely. And uh, so there is definitely a problem that we've seen uh, over the course of, of several years. The problem is not that we have difference of opinion. We're, we're always going to have a difference of opinion. And I, I really don't even take that as negative. Uh, even when people mm -hmm. disagree with me, uh, the the fact that we're able to bring different ways of seeing things and different perspectives to the annual meeting just gives the messengers choices. And uh, the Holy Spirit is able to teach us things we didn't know because somebody came and brought a different opinion that was a perspective that we could consider and learn from. And, and uh, however, those differences of opinion can be presented in a sense of brotherhood and respect. Uh, with one another and also so it's a, so it's about that commitment to each other I want us to have that commitment to each other that we're going to treat each other with respect and love but ultimately this is also just about faith in the presence and operation of the Holy Spirit among a group of fellow believers and I'm not saying that we ever know that everybody in the hall is a fellow believer uh, has experienced true conversion but most of us have, the preponderance of us have. And um, I, I have a great deal of confidence in the ability of the messengers to hear, pray, sort things out, and make the right decision, e even when they make a decision that's different from the way I lifted my ballot. Uh, and so I just wish that we would all bring that level of faith in a sovereign God who has control of all things into the annual meeting. And if we would do that, we would not conclude 
that the outcome rests upon my ability to try to uh, outsmart Alex somebody uh, at the mic or to out manipulate uh, the system in, in, in ways that, uh, that, that aren't appropriate that I can go to a microphone and ask myself, is this really a point of order or am I just trying to find a way to, uh, to game the system, to get a little more time on a mic. Uh, and you know, the last thing, the last thing I would say is this, I think there's, I've always felt that there needs to be a, a commitment to the overall good of the family rather than just to my own uh, agenda. And, um, and I'll give you an example of a way I've tried to live up to that, not as president of the SBC. Uh, in 2016, I wrote a resolution on uh, sexual predation, sex abuse in the SBC. Uh, had no idea how prominent that topic was going to become in the years ensuing. Um, but I, I believed that it was important for Southern Baptists to have high standards in this area and believe that there was enough evidence of a problem that we should take some action. And so I authored that resolution. Um, it did not come out of the committee. Um, several friends came to me and said, you need to bring this resolution out. You, you need to go to the microphone Make the make the point of order call to bring your resolution out of the committee report. And let the messengers vote on it. And I was committed to this topic, and I and I thought very seriously about doing this. But we had a very contentious resolution in 2016 that the messengers spent a lot of time debating. Yep, I remember that. And 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 it was and and the and the fellowship of the of the people in the meeting of the messengers was strained mm -hmm. well we and also I had an election with two people that we didn't have a winner in so yeah well, we I did mean, yeah but we didn't know that yeah at i the know time. But, but, uh, that, but that entire convention though was like this right 50, there was 50 a strain right that was a, so, yeah. a lot there was a lot of tension in that room i remember and and i said i believe in this topic i believe in it enough to pick it up another year but I don't want this spiritual family of mine. I don't want to be the guy who turned the screws tighter at a moment when we were trying to do so much. And um, I, I just, I wish we could call everyone who goes to the meeting to think that way uh, and, to, and, and to care about our overall work because so much that we all agree about that is good and, and righteous and holy and mandated by Christ is happening outside that meeting through this family of churches, the, the thousands of missionaries, tens of thousands of churches, uh, the ways that the gospel's being proclaimed and churches are being planted. And, and, and not only that, but just the ways that people, uh, people like, uh, uh, Roy Fish and Curtis Vaughn and James Leo Garrett and uh, and then we could go over to other seminaries. That's the seminary that I went to. Uh, 
people have been able to take these amazing gifts that God has given them to understand scripture and to teach. And, uh, and they've been able to use those to make our churches stronger and all of that stuff that's going on, things that, things that we agree about, the health and viability of that is affected by the bonds of connection between all those people in that, in that room among that messenger body. That's a, that's a sacred thing that is more fragile than we realize sometimes. And so, um, and so we don't need to go running in like a bull into a China shop. When we have important discussions, we need to have them. We have to go through the process and make those decisions. But that, that, that needs to be undertaken in a way that also values what we're working in the midst of and tries to protect and preserve it. So that contentious spirit that's been kind of rearing its head a little bit over the past few years in the convention, how do we keep our focus on the mission? Like you mentioned, you know, the, the missionaries we have overseas, you, you talked about that in the last answer there. How do we keep that focus while still dealing with the things that we need to deal with internally? Because there are a lot of things that, that we're still working on, right? How do we yeah. still keep that outward focus and that focus on mission and, and still make that our priority? Some level of triage, I think, is necessary there, uh, Jonathan, because, um, you know, our, our church and me personally, we've been very involved with disaster relief. Uh, a, a lot of people may not realize how much of her time my wife has given to Southern Baptist disaster relief. Uh, she's all in on that. And I've gone with her. Um, for example, when Hurricane Katrina, um, when the Hurricane Rita came after Hurricane Katrina and they relocated a lot of the people who were affected uh, out of New Orleans, out of the Superdome, uh, over to Houston, to the Astrodome, um, I went with my wife and we worked for several days uh, running disaster relief child care in the Astrodome uh, for affected families. And and then, you know, also our church on a smaller scale, we're, we're the institution in this part of Collin County who uh, steps up whenever a local disaster hits. We've had three ice storms and a tornado and uh, over the course of time that I've been here. And here's what I would say. When, when a tornado comes through or when all the pipes burst in your house, your main mission in life is not uh, most of the time dealing with fixing something in your house, your mission in life is take care of your kids and to, uh, and to honor the Lord. If you're a believer in your life and to, and to, and to provide for your family and all that sort of thing. But sometimes disasters come in that are so big that if you don't deal with them, you can't pursue the mission that you have in front of you with your life. They're, they're, they're major disruptions. They're, they're interruptions that momentarily require your focus uh, so that you can focus on the mission. And I think some things like the, uh, like the sex abuse task force and, and those other things that, that surround that that we've been working on, they're that kind of thing. They're, they're big enough and they're disruptive enough that the best way to serve the mission uh, is to make sure that that gets the attention that it needs 
to be able to, uh, to, to protect the mission by doing well in, uh, in, in resolving issues that we've created for ourselves. Um, there are other things that, um, that, that are less related to the mission. I, I think there are a couple of things that we have to accomplish with that. First of all, we have to keep telling the story about the mission, about the thing that's going on. That's, that's why in response to that last question, I, I mentioned the fact that we have all these things going on that we agree about that are really important. Uh, that needs to be injected into these conversations so that people remember that, yeah. uh, that, that your behavior at a microphone affects a missionary in Eastern Europe. Um, and that you'll just keep that in mind. So if we, if we put that in front of people, help people remember why we're actually here, uh, that helps. But then also alongside that, you know, a church like, let's just, let's just take a recent president, a church like Summit that has sent so many people onto the mission field and has sent so many people to plant churches. It's not hard for Summit to see their connection to that mission work and ministry that's going on in the Southern Baptist Convention. I didn't grow up in churches like that. I grew up in Bethabra Baptist Church, which is just out in the country. There's really not even a community where it is. Uh, and, um, and, a, and a church like that, you can celebrate all of that work, but the sense of connection that you have to it is really tied through the cooperative program and your sense of belonging to the greater Southern Baptist family. You can look at that and you can say, nobody who grew up here has become a missionary that this church has never sent anybody actually to the mission field. We'd love to do that. We'd love to do that, but we haven't. Um, but this, but this is us. This is our family of believers. And so, and so some of the way we handle our controversies just to uh, help people know that they do have a part in this process um, that, that, you know, to help show that the idea of elitism and the platform, that that's, that that's not, that that's not really real because after all, the Faber Baptist church can look and say, we do have somebody who's now president of the Southern Baptist convention who went out from our church, who is from a very, very small community in Arkansas and who has, has, has been a part of uh, a very non-elite uh, portion of the SBC uh, who's, in this, who's in this perspective uh, or who's in this position uh, with the SBC. And there's a fair opportunity for everybody to come and, and participate. There's a fair opportunity for everybody to make their voice be heard. And so, uh, you know, the, the, those kind of elections affect people in that way, just like Victor Chias Arizabon, uh, his election says to California Baptists and to Asian American Baptists, the deck's not stacked against you. This is something you can participate in this. I, I want you to know I determined that before this was over, I would pronounce the name so you'd know that I could. Uh, the, the two you of you. You found a way. You found I, a way. I, I did. I did. It only took Amy three years. So. Hey, but I got there. I got there. <laughs> yeah, you did. 
Victor's so. an amazing guy. So it, it matters to encourage a good tone. That's what Bob Smetana was talking about. Um, it, it matters to encourage a good tone so that our bonds of fellowship are not broken. But then also it matters at the microphone to make sure people know that they have access and that they're able to be heard because that also protects the bonds of fellowship in the church so that people know that they're, that they're not persona non grata, that they're, uh, that they have a fair opportunity to, to make their case and to persuade the messenger body. Yeah. All right. One final question on moderating the meeting. What gavel? Oh, did you not see my tweet? I made a suggestion about oh, that. Oh, I saw. Yeah, I saw. I that. saw. <laughs> That's like the equivalent of, of bringing Amy's crab mallet to the yes. <laughs> Or it's like, it's the opposite of the banners that you ordered. I, I, have a, I have a great idea though. Like, you know, what we really could do is, you know, you remember the comedian Gallagher? Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. we could do that. And, and it would be kind of an entertainment thing, you know, with the first few rows. That's right. That's you know, right. Pass out yeah. ponchos and whatever. That's a, that's a big, it's a big question. I, by the way, Ed did break so, the gavel. Did he, did he really? Did, they're it, it, not it's not easy. broken, broken. Right. One of the, right. But it's, it's like one of the, the brass pieces on the, the head of it came oh, okay. Off. Oh, well, it's, I, it's all right. So it's I, not broken, I, broken. I've got to hurry it's up fictional. and go to this next thing. All right. But, okay. Uh, but I'll, I'll say this. Uh, the first thing, I, my very first paper I wrote in PhD work was on John Bunyan. And so it meant a <sighs> lot to me to touch that, that gavel. The, the Bunyan gavel is, it's an interesting one. So It's got some good weight, go. good heft to yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. All right. There you go. The last question, should we expect regular videos from the farm? Absolutely. And I'll tell you a secret about that. Uh, actually, folks, uh, folks may not realize that the real reason for this is uh, that uh, my cows have no expectation of privacy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Tracy said, if you're going to film all these videos, that's fine, but not in my house. You're not. Uh, there you go. So you can go out to the farm. And, you know, also at church, there, there are, I have, I have staff members at church who they're not interested in showing up on nationwide videos uh, and whatnot. So the farm's a good safe place for me to go shoot videos and not get in trouble with anybody in my life. So yes, you will be seeing more of those. I All love right. it. I All love right. it. So. Well, well, Bart, thank you so much for joining us. We, we look forward to having you on later in the year. I, you know, as we go uh, throughout the year, we'll have to have you on as, as we can, uh, but we appreciate it. Congratulations again on being elected Southern Baptist president, and we will see you soon. Even when I'm not speaking, I'll be listening every week. Very thankful for what you guys do. All right. Do. Thanks, Thank Bart. you. Bye. You're welcome. Bye. Uh, all right, Amy. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. See you next week. See you next week. See you next week.